0: all right ladies and gentlemen we are back with interim luke carey version 0.1 brian jones how you doing brian
1: good can i go by luke van vickle
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's too meta okay okay. it's too meta and here's the cheesy built-in music oh it's beautiful
1: do you think, what if Luke comes back and is like, oh man, play our old song, And, and but like a lot of your listeners are like, I love the new updated <laughs> yeah, no version. One, no <laughs> one would say that. Ben Sound Rumble is just where it's at. It's where That's it's the out. one that you currently have with. Yeah. with That we've used
0: since day two of the podcast. Day three maybe? Week three? Mm-hmm. Because uh, the very first one um, was my suggestion of classical music, and it mm-hmm. was so stupid, and Luke hated it so much, it almost ended the podcast. Dang. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Yeah. But first, follow-up. So uh, we have three bits of follow-up. The first one is, is genuine follow-up. The other two will lead into the next thing. Um, so we had said that grammar on the homeschooling episode, grammar is not in the Robinson curriculum, or not grammar, but phonics isn't in the um, Robinson curriculum. It, in fact, is. They use an old program called Alpha Phonics, which has been around for a very long time. Um and one of our, our listeners on Catrix Boxes was like, um, it's all over the place inside the Robinson curriculum, especially for the early, earlier years. Um and so uh I just wanted to comment on that. How yeah. dare you? Is really what they wanted to say. How dare you? I, I love the line that she wrote. Not only is it in the Robinson or it's in the Robinson curriculum, um whole she's like I think, I wanna say I'm I'm trying to do this off the top of my head, but she mentioned how in Australia? It's have been Kiara. Uh, it was in Australia. Our kids have been victims for twenty years of whole word, and uh, <laughs> how no one uh, like literacy is at an all time low in Australia, right? With the use of whole word and cetophonics.
1: Yeah, it's it's not too uh, obviously. Phonics plays a tremendous part in the curriculum, as, as it should in any. Yeah. But I, again, one of the one of the people that we're friends with, we're going to name. They're going to remain unnamed. Unnamed. Uh, they brought up a good point, which is uh, perhaps one of the things we didn't clarify was that the their curriculum, uh, obviously, by the fact that there's a curriculum, there's something physical, right? So there's yeah. something that is deemed to be worthy of knowing. But perhaps one of the things that the Robinson curriculum. Um, sort of has inbuilt implicitly is a particular type of pedagogy, and so the example that I used with my daughter reading, right, it was not to say the, the infamous lollipop <clears throat> example. Yeah, um, you don't need you don't need to. It's not to say, oh, see, by doing the the pedagogy in this particular way, you don't need phonics or you don't need grammar. Yeah, right. This isn't to say that at all. It's it's the it's an example of the kind of pedagogical approach that. Is at the heart of the the sort of the method or the yeah. curriculum as a whole. Yeah. So it was,
0: it's funny because I was thinking about this as I was going to get crust pizza, which is what we had for lunch. Mm, it was amazing. It was. Um, I was thinking about this, like, how did whole word take over so quickly? And I realized that one of the things that uh, thirty plus years ago, neuroscientists were proving that if you are immersed in, in a primary language uh, in a culture, you can actually delete all the vowels vowels from every word Mm. and you can read the sentence a hundred percent fine without any of the vowels yeah because your brain looks at each word as a whole word and it was from a lot of the neuroscience around this that they began claiming you know this is a new scientific way (laughs) of producing um of, of learning how to read and learning how to write and all this stuff i mean there are ancient languages such as hebrew that didn't even have vowels they added vowels in later. And when, when you're within the language, you don't, need, you don't actually need vowels, and you can get 99% of words, which I find fascinating. Wow. But once you are outside of that language or you're trying to learn form and structure a lot more clearly, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you need these, these things. And so in Hebrew language, they have these tick marks and where they place them and all that stuff that adds the vowels sure. after or before a letter. But the idea behind all of this is how do we help kids learn to read? First and foremost, it's by reading a ton to them. And there's that book, the Read Aloud Handbook, that we've gone over a bunch of times that I freaking love. And it's literally changed my family and how we do family. The, the, I have two readers, and I have two that aren't readers. The more I read, the more the non-readers read, mm-hmm. right? And so yep. that's amazing. So the yep. other follow-up is, is obviously what we were talking about, curriculum versus pedagogy, where like there's a lot of curriculum choices out there. But the Robinson method of like self-starting, self-learning, self-instruction, mm-hmm. It was actually the method that got me to take homeschooling when I was in high school. And I started researching. It's like, in high school, you are mostly an independent learner. And I was like, oh, okay. Right? Like, I didn't understand really what that meant. But I taught myself from sophomore to senior year all by myself. My parents did not help one ounce with <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I got a GD. This is a bad example. Whoopsie. We'll edit uh, this out. Oh, crap. But no. But, like, I mean, just think about it. Like, self-learning. I did a year's worth of religion homework because that was what I loved. I did that in in two or three weeks, like writing right. essays. Do It wasn't just like reading a book and answering some questions or doing some multiple-choice tests. You were writing essays. You were doing this. I did it around the clock. I read for hours and hours, and then I wrote for hours and hours. I took tests for hours and hours because I loved it, and I was self-directed. And all the things that I loved, even the, even the hard work, because I was self-directed and motivated, I did that. And the Robinson curriculum approach is... I need these. I need my six kids because my wife just tragically died. I need my six kids to do this on their own. So I am going to be a little heavy-handed with the uh, discipline and the mm-hmm. uh, environment. I am not going to have goofy crap on the walls. I am not going to have ten thousand things that'll distract them. I am going to fill the home with books. I am going to fill the home with practical chores and all that stuff so they're working. And I am going to fill the home with this is what it means to do work. And I am going to this is the thing that I love. He pulls his desk his his office desk in the same room with his kids, and he does work while they're doing work. So they're all doing it together. It's not in a separate room. He's not in a different building. He's working right alongside them. And it's amazing.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean you talk about the conditions that get set up, right? Again, we're getting back to the pedagogy, mm-hmm. right? There's an actual curriculum, which is great, but it's it's the it's the conditions wherein these types of things are are now feasible. Um you may even be able to find cur- someone I'm sure can make the case that there's other curriculums that are better in the, these particular areas. That yeah, sure. That's and fine. you can use them. Yeah, great. We and, use a lot of the good and the beautiful,
0: which is a Mormon yeah publication where they remove all Mormonism. They just keep it like Christian baseline mere Christianity stuff. And the stuff
1: that they've done is, is quite incredible. Yeah. Yeah. We've used some of that too. The girls love it. Um, But yeah, I like the idea of even the difference of the signal, right? If you're in the kitchen doing dishes and the kids are working, you're available to them as a kind of, Oh, I can, I don't know how to do this. I'll ask. But if you are working, it puts them in the condition of we're all working So we're not as easily distractible or you're not as readily available. And so I need to be able to become a little bit more independent. Yeah.
0: And it is funny to me because my kids are used to, you know, doing homeschooling wherever before we kind of discover the Robinson curriculum. And just to let everyone know, my wife has not fully bought into this. She's not even 50% in. And so
1: she will after today. I I don't know. I I have a feeling.
0: Maybe she'll listen. Yeah. I don't know. Um, But the, the idea behind it is, like, the kids go everywhere, and they're laying on the ground. They're doing the schoolwork, and they're doing all this. And for the most part, I don't care about that. What I care about is silence and diligence and doing their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm a fanatic. You can hear it in my voice. My wife is not. And so when I have the kids go upstairs and do their work, it's like I want it dead silent so that you can do it. Now, one kid has an auditory thing, so she puts headphones on and just puts on white noise. It's very quiet. Um, my other one begs for pop music, to which I say, if I hear your music, I will... Go on a rampage, so no, Mm because you have no taste in music uh, or in men. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) that was weird. Yeah. Uh, That was very weird. It's Um, obviously
1: not a reference to you. No. (sighs) We need a pad. Yeah. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) I didn't realize I had the volume all the way up. Um, Yeah, but so when Daddy's home, all of a sudden, everything kicks in, and it's, okay, we'll do it. You know, they're all quiet. They all, they pulled our desks, our kitchen tables with foldable. Have you seen those tables? Mm-mm. Yeah. So we got new Ikea tables. So they fold the wings of a, it's like a kitchen oh. table with a centerpiece where you put the flatware and said, it's our kids supplies. And you collapse the wings and push mm-hmm. it up against the wall, both of them. So we have two full-size dinner tables that are now our four kids' desks. Oh, nice. So you pull out the wings. Each side, each person gets a side. They do it on opposite sides. They pull it in the middle of the room. And it's like this blocks us from doing gymnastics mm-hmm. and getting distracted, which is what my kids do. Um, and so they just focus on work. And now when I come home or if I'm leaving late in the morning – that's what they're doing on yep. autopilot. So I love that. They're self-starters. They're that's like, awesome. Yes, I know what the next subject is. Mom and dad need to do the pe- of like the curriculum, but they got their own motivation. For mm-hmm. it. And it's awesome. Yep. It really is. All right, that's 10 minutes. That's enough follow-up. Beautiful. Here's the segue. Moira wrote in on the old uh, Patreon.com slash CF. Patreon.com slash CF. Um, you can have access to all of our content if you get $2 or more. Everyone loves it. It's a joy. And access to our Discord to be more distracting. You know what Discord is, Brian? I've heard of it. Oh, gosh. I hate uh um. it's like slack but for fun times <laughs> and man they have done it creates amazing- discord is that where the name yeah it comes, creates right? Discord. okay yeah I in people's it. hearts Ooh. not necessarily socially okay. mm. so it's the opposite of twitter twitter creates oh, discord socially mm-hmm. but in your heart you're ordered because you're only in your echo chamber
1: man that's
0: meta it is meta so if you have both a twitter and a discord mm-hmm. everything's over it's the apocalypse <laughs> uh it's revelation chapter 11 mm-hmm. um so when uh, it's the seventh seal, so she said how pissed off she was that when she heard how we do homeschooling, she's like, I have wasted so much time <laughs> in school. But then Beth followed by followed up by saying, and this is actually what we wanted to talk about. She said, I feel like I'm wasting so much time at work. Like you got to hit the 40 hours or 45 hours, whatever your kind of work culture is, regardless of whether or not you got stuff done. Relationships take work. A lot of us will drop anything to go and help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? And I have now three people who are very close to me who use betterhelp.com slash foxes to get that sweet, sweet discount, who use BetterHelp on an ongoing basis, and it really, really works. We need to make sure that we, too, are mentally, physically, and emotionally healthy. This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your 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 most important relationship, the one you have with yourself and Yahweh. The good thing is they have Christian counselors. Whether it's hitting the gym, making time for your haircut, or even trying therapy, you are your greatest asset, so invest the time and effort into yourself like you do for other people. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to, which I really don't want to. (laughs) It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Catching Foxes listeners get 10% off their first month, which is huge at BetterHelp.com slash foxes. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash foxes. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and thousands of episodes of Catching Foxes. And it, it's funny because it, it the these two are not unrelated. Like one of the reasons why the school day is what it is is because of the work day is what it is, and it's to satisfy the demands of a two parent working home, right? So the school doesn't have to be that long. It doesn't have to go to three thirty or four o'clock. It doesn't have to start at seven or at six or at, you know nine whatever. It could start at whatever time. But we don't. We need parents need to go to work. So they need to drop off the bus needs to come and get them. You know whatever. And so when you start thinking about the work day, oftentimes what we do is we have a container and we demand the work to fill that container, even with busy work, rather Mm -hmm. than structuring our days to, number one, defining what our work actually is, Mm -hmm. uh, understanding it from the inside out, and and then structuring our days around getting that work done, meaningful, impactful work, work that moves the needle. And when we don't have that, what we have is the last bestsellers from 2017 to 2022 – uh, in the in the business category, which is all these books about burnout, millennials burning mm-hmm. out, a, you know, whatever burning out, all these different people, college students failure rates in Ivy League school burnout, all of this stuff, and then you have the Great Resignation. To me, this is a this is a five year trend that is peaking right now. Uh, what was it starting in September? Four million people left the job market, like they weren't even looking for a job anymore. And then you have repeated things happening in October, and it's just becoming. And this isn't twenty twenty. This is twenty twenty. Two like this is mm-hmm. inc- or 2021. This is incredible. You have people who are like, "Why am I doing this?" The stress of the pandemic, all that other stuff, and it just built up and built up. And so, I think we we've done maybe three episodes of Catching Foxes about the Great Resignation, mm-hmm. the the suckiness of work. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, I think it's interesting the the image you used of the container, right? So, container can really only give you sort of a, as a metric quantity, yeah. right? So, um. <clears throat> Yeah. A lot, a lot of the work I think is centered around, I mean, again, the spectrum here is large where we primarily think of something like, or we might be speaking um, primarily in, in like knowledge sector terms, yeah. but I think any, you talk to anyone in really any profession, um, the same things that bug the knowledge work environment is pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think the, the, uh, Good productivity generally means you're you're busy with respect to quantity, and so by not asking uh, both as the as a whole for the organization, like what is it that you do, what is the actual mission, um, what do you make, and I don't mean that necessarily in strictly reductive terms, but um, to be able to ask that question then funnels into you know, the particulars of each individual that work within an organization of what is it that you do? What, what is it that gives value to your, your specific work? But if you don't know what it is that you do other than, you know, respond to, to emails and, and constantly try to go back and forth in various avenues of communication, um, it's, it's easy to just come away with the day saying, yeah, it was fairly successful. I mean, I pretty much cleared out most of my inbox and, yeah. You know, did some filing things and, and there doesn't seem to be a clear designation about what it is that's good about what you do. So there's also that aspect of the burnout of yeah. people feeling like their jobs are really just what was the article? The the shit jobs. Uh yeah, bullshit jobs. Bullshit jobs, thank you. Yeah. Um yeah. So I mean again that that existed prior to the pandemic. But uh, I think now the pandemic has exacerbated a lot of these things, um, which again Byung-Chul Han is really good on that we've talked about before. Byung-Chul Han, yeah. a
0: German-Korean philosopher. Korean-German Swiss-German. Philosopher, Swiss-German-Korean mm-hmm. philosopher yep. who is a Catholic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Who was published in National Review? No, no, that's the conservative one. It was published in The Nation. No.
1: Um, Some famous magazine. Yeah, yeah. Was it The Nation? Yeah, yeah, you're talking about The Tiredness virus? Yeah, The Tiredness yeah, vibe. That was The Nation.
0: And it was awesome. And he, just, he starts to describe how like our modern sense of productivity of work of workplace life and culture is leading to is the tiredness virus and the Mm -hmm. pandemic just brought it out just brought it to the fore Mm -hmm. like things really suck and we don't and not a lot of people know why but it really sucks right now
1: yeah well it was and it's interesting too i mean he he mentions things like the loss of, of ritual yeah. Right. And he, it's it's fascinating where he says we all generally get tired, or we're we're all generally tired after work. But there's a particular kind of fatigue.
0: Yeah. That's that what
1: it was. that the the what he calls sort of the the neoliberal regime, right? Where we, the, the neoliberal regime is, uh, it's certainly connected to this notion of the quantity of work, but the the ways in which we subtly exploit ourselves and yeah. consider that to be our freedom, and we also oh, realize. Yeah. Yeah, he had that great line about, in in the modern world, we've
0: considered freedom stealing the whip from our masters and whipping ourselves even harder. Right, Yeah, he's like, that's how we define freedom.
1: Yeah, but we realize that that that, uh, actually is deeply uh, exhausting and uh, not satisfying. Yeah. But even though we try to say that, oh, this is my liberty or this is what makes me good at what I am, but it's actually, um, you're exploiting yourself.
0: Yeah. And I think about this in contrast to nerds on the interwebs who are like Gary V, right? Gary Vaynerchuk. Have you heard of him? Uh -uh. Okay. So Gary Vaynerchuk is the opposite of this stuff. He is the, well, if you're not, if you're working 60 hours, that's just the minimum, you know, like you need to work more. You need to get Mm. back to work. You need to work, 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 work. Yeah. And his whole approach, and he even has this, this, these talks that he gives where he's like, people say, I'm the enemy, blah, blah, blah. He's like, how about those people should stop complaining less and go out and build something, you know? And there, so this is this is the the nature of the thing. For the last seventy years, basically the nineteen fifties, we've had this thing called knowledge work. Knowledge work does not map well onto manual work, which we've evolved with all of our all of our endocrine systems and our hormone systems and our cortisol systems and adrenaline systems. Like we evolved to be manual movers, like physical movement in the real world doing cooperative and cognitively demanding tasks.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Memorizing what plants are healthy, what plants are poisonous, what plants are not going to help us in a hunter-gather society. They said they went out and measured their like brain waves as they're just doing the gathering. And they said it's like off the charts. Like it is as if they are trying to solve complex mathematical problems. Cause they're they have to memorize hundreds of different plants and leaves mm-hmm. and fruit and um, you know, nuts and all these different things. They have to memorize all their shapes, which ones are good, bad, where to find them uh, how many can you take without killing the plant and thus mm-hmm. you know, killing the, the, ooze, the, the, ooze, the, the goose that goose, the golden egg? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you start to see this, like the hunter-gatherer, how do you cooperate to take down a woolly mammoth? All of the things mm-hmm. that people talk about with ancestral health. How does that apply when you have 700 unread emails, right? Like it doesn't map. <laughs> how easy is it to get to 700 unread emails? Uh, for me, mm-hmm. it's two, maybe three days of normal parish load work going mm-hmm. unanswered. So if I were to get sick for three days where I couldn't check my email, I would probably have about seven to eight hundred emails mm-hmm. waiting for me.
1: How many? How many of those do you think would be for me? Uh, at least four hundred. At least, yeah, yeah, right. at least over half. Yeah.
0: Actually, actually, they would all be in my personal account, and they would just be articles I should be reading. Hey, I heard you were sick with this. Here's uh, what Young Living says, uh, the different mixtures of essential oils. You should try Melaleuca as well. They're a
1: competing company.
0: <laughs> but you get better percentages if you're a distributor. Anyway, I'd like to introduce you in a floor, ground floor level of an exciting new plan. Um, no, so, uh, so we're all – so just think about this. Like what is a knowledge work? Adding value to knowledge. Okay, what does that mean? Well, business analysts. And, you know, all, there's all sorts of stuff that we do that, that we classify now as knowledge work. But knowledge work principally consists in turning on your computer and sitting down in front of it and doing email all day. Mm-hmm. And then so we have all the stored energy. We're living in a sedentary lifestyle. We're doing all the things that are unhealthy for the human organism. And then on top of that, we have this thing called email. We have this thing called Slack. We use Slack here at our work. Brian doesn't, but other people do. And uh, <laughs> guilty. I just did a huddle. On Slack, which is a phone call. <laughs> Anywho, um, I used a landline, but yeah, that's a, it's very similar. <laughs> gross landline, uh, wires. Um, but when you start to look at this, like when my boss sends me an email, I freak out with the same mechanisms that were designed to deal with a mountain lion, right? right. Like if you're at a if you're at a campfire <laughs> and you're arguing with someone, you're not going to freak out as if it's a mountain lion, but it's your job on the line. Like so, the psychology right. doesn't map easily. And we might have seven mountain lions waiting in our email or waiting in our Mm. uh, voicemail, right? And we can't control that. And so that's the thing that I think we – and it's only increasing. So now it's not just, well, you got to monitor your Outlook. You also have to monitor Teams or Slack. Well, you also have to monitor your text messages, your phone number, your personal phone, your work phone. You have to do all this. And you're like, how many inboxes do I have? How many times do I have to check them? And, uh, you know, thank you, sir, may I have another? Mm. Like it's just abuse or it can become. And when people define their work by just answering emails and messages, the problem becomes when other people don't do that, there's a bitterness.
1: Yeah. I've seen a systemic. It's it's so funny because 30 minutes before we started this, I was talking with somebody out in the hall mm-hmm. and I made a joke. Uh, they, they had said something to me along the lines of, um, they were going on vacation and they were going to be out of town. Not somebody that works here. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I said, well, when you're gone, I'll probably send you a couple emails a day. I'm probably going to send you a message on Slack. I am going to call you and then I'm going to leave you a message and I'll probably either give you a voice memo or a set of texts. Now, the person started laughing and then got very serious and said, You know, you should honestly consider starting like your own startup company because you would be a great head of the company because that is exactly how the world works. This person works in in business so he said but i just thought it was funny that he i said those things as a a joke which he he laughed at but then was like yeah no that's that's really what would actually happen yeah you wouldn't be able getting away really wouldn't be feasible
0: yeah
2: um
1: but then you have the mm
0: -hmm. the the the, all the stuff just kind of sort of damocles hanging over your head when you get off of your vacation i was just talking to a, a an employee and she said i have vacations and i have trips Trips, I check email, vacations, I'm off the grid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay,
1: I like that. That's yep. that's respectable. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, too. I mean, the to go back to Han's point, because I think it's, it's relevant, he says that the great line where he says, you know, now in, in, we live in an age of information, and he calls it an age of non-objects. Yeah. Right, so your description of the person who's just sitting in front of, what we might call a, a data set or just a, a collection of information uh, it it's it's part of the the anxiety the the sense of uh, perhaps uh, the work is unsatisfying that the ease with which burnout can happen is there is that disconnection from reality is that you're you're dealing with things which are uh, so unstable and shifting yeah. and can turn on a dime whereas Kind of like you were just saying, the, the uh, what was the guy's name that gave the talk about working 60 hours? Yeah, uh, Gary V. Gary V. And he said, well, make something. Now, I mean, he's I think he's wrong in some respects, but he, he's on to something there of there's something to be said about making something that's tangible, physical, connected to the world that you can actually point to and say— I'm going, Yeah, I made yeah. this, and I'm I I have a sort of a a, th- a thumos, right? A, a kind of a, a rightful sense of pride. I had to come back to it since we we didn't talk <laughs> thumos, about business. thumos. We did not. Um, but there's a right, there's sort a real of, thing. Yeah.
0: that's really tangible that I really did. There's something new in the world, right. That didn't exist. Whereas in the world of ones and zeros, something new, yeah, is number one. The rate of change accelerates <laughs> because mm-hmm. when you're dealing with physical things and making them, the making of them there's an irreducible amount of time to make them, right? right. Like when you talk about woodworking, you can have master woodworkers that have an incredible output of, I don't know, wooden rocking chairs, but they're not going to 10 exit. They're not going to 20 exit. Mm -hmm. They're not going to make 20 times more rocking chairs. But in the digital world, you create systems, you create processes, you use AI, you use machine learning, you get all this stuff going. And then all of a sudden – the rate of change is accelerating. How you build these new platforms and new things, and it's like you you can't get a hold of anything because everything is a non-object. Everything's liquid,
2: mm-hmm. and that's
0: what that great book, Liquid Modernity. Yeah, did you ever read that? A uh, long time ago, Zygmunt. Yeah, we talked about it on the show probably three or four years ago. Probably okay. four years ago now, mm-hmm. but that's a book that whose themes constantly come back to me. It's like we went from a world of stuff to a world of software,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Software is eating the world. That's a great line from uh, Benedict. uh, I can't remember his last name, Um, but he's a technology analyst, and he has this whole talk called "Software is Eating the World" Mm. and the implications of that. And he's a tech analyst, so he's all about it. Like he loves it, right? So when we're talking about these things in um, in terms of modernity, like when you make a physical thing like a car or whatever, those things have a lot of values of input and output, and they're measurable, and they're real, and they exist. But once you shift to products that are purely digital, that purely exist in software, you not only does the rate of change accelerate because now there's no physical restrictions, but no one can then adjust who they are in relation to these things because everything is changing, everything's liquid, everything is everything is fluid, right? <clears throat> right. So if, and literally everything is fluid now. Like even our bodies are our, our conceptual scheme by which we apply to our bodies. Our bodies aren't fluid at all. But the scheme in our head that we apply to our right. bodies has become fluid.
1: They have fluid. They have fluid. They got lots of fluid. Yeah. Humors. Amniotic. Humors.
0: Yeah, humors. That's why I use those leeches. I got two <gasps> in my coffee cup right now. Just wait <laughs> and believe me. Uh, got to balance those humors. But like he, he said, like even in terms of like people needed the church, even if they were atheists, because they needed to understand what they were rebelling against. Mm-hmm. And now what we've discovered is there are new atheists in like the local math teacher here at the high school who loves attacking faithful Christians faith. When he finds out that one of our kids is in confirmation class, he starts going after him and he has to stop because they don't know what he's talking about. Mm. Oh, you believe in a literal Adam and Eve? And they're like, who? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: What about Noah and the ark? What's an ark? You mean an arch like in St. Louis? (laughs) Who's Abraham? You think God talked to Moses out of a burning bush? I have no idea what you're talking mm-hmm. about, but I like to burn some bush. I'm a pothead, right? So you have these <laughs> – so it's like everything's liquid. Like they don't, even yeah. have, they don't even know what they're rebelling against. And that's the fascinating right. thing. Now take that culture and import it into work, right? Import that into what you're doing. Like I'm here to make disciples. That's what my job is. Mm. I'm here to answer questions, evangelize people, prepare them for the sacraments of marriage and baptism and confirmation and all this stuff. But I'm here to make disciples, Okay, I can do that without a computer. I can do that with a computer. I can leverage the technology to help assist that. But it brings a culture of its own. <clears throat> right. And in doing the worky work side, the office management side, I don't think we notice how easy burnout can come.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where, where do you see that? Uh, Neil Postman has that phrase, uh, the Frankenstein syndrome. Mm. You create something but a kind of metaphysic or a, a sort of set of intention seems to almost develop independent of your will, right? Um, and, and, and this is with all of the things you just mentioned. So since we're primarily talking about email, we'll just stick with that. But right, email is a tool that can be used well or badly. I think everybody, that that's sort of the general cultural response or, or thinking of email. But uh, the, the reality about it, though, is... is we don't know the. we're not attentive enough to the ways in which these things actually change us yeah. it's the same thing with your phone right these, these things do as, as you mentioned they have a a sort of a a kind of a metaphysic of their own of which uh, simply thinking that we could foist a virtuous will over this thing and transform it, yeah. it's really just not possible um you can uh, certainly, I mean, we, we. I don't know why lately, but we've been talking about the Amish a lot. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit too much. Yeah, a little bit too much. Like almost like we're kind of secretly starting our own Amish community of which we haven't yet told our wives. We're getting there, but yeah, I think they the have to first got to accept Robinson curriculum. Then from there. <laughs>
0: the Robinson curriculum
1: does feel a <laughs> little Amish. <It> does feel <laughs> little. You got
0: to bind your own books.
1: <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that the... You know it's very easy to to look at uh, at a community like that and say whether well, they're pre-modern they're anti which they are they're anti tech or they're Luddites, whatever uh, it, It's it not that they're anti technological mm. um but it that that's a good term to use to sh- sort of shut down any further yeah. thinking on the on yeah. the perspective but it's not anti technological it's it's a very serious discernment about whether or not the introduction of some device or piece of technology has a serious potential to destroy their way of life, and if it does, then it's not going to be adopted. Yeah, and so, uh, which it sounds funny. I mean, even some you know Wendell Berry's point about his essay about why I don't have a computer, and he says you know, computers aren't evil, but what is what would be the purpose of getting a computer? Well, I can I can type faster. He said, okay, maybe. Does it help me to become a better writer? Uh, Grammarly. Start your own Grammarly, Grammarly <laughs> subscription. Yeah, but I, but that when, yeah. when you pose the question in that yeah. way, it makes you go, "Well, okay, actually, he's he's onto something there." So then it it doesn't yeah. The make you Amish to...
0: criteria is not ooh technology bad because there are things. I mean, they have solar powered stuff. They have battery powered yep. stuff. Each community kind of discerns for itself. But it's the question they ask is, "Will this destroy our way of life?" They have Polaroid cameras. I mean, come on. The reality is that young people today are growing up in a largely post-Christian culture, making choosing the faith all the more difficult. A vast majority of Catholic youth are disconnecting from the church during their teenage years. Something clearly isn't working. Net Ministries is passionate about challenging young Catholics to love Christ and embrace the life of the church. That's why working alongside youth ministers, parishes, and schools, Net Missionaries help young people encounter the person of Christ through evangelization and discipleship. As a Net Missionary, you will meet young Young people who need to hear your particular story. Your journey with the Lord matters. You can be an example to young people of how to make the faith their own, allowing Christ to enter into their lives. Your story has a purpose. The Lord has a call for you. If you are between the ages of 18 and 28 and interested in serving the Lord as a net missionary, go to netusaorg apply and fill out an application. Not able to apply yourself? Share about NET's mission with a young adult in your life and encourage them to apply today. That's net, slash apply. Thanks to our friends over at NET Ministries for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Like one of the things they were talking about is they'll use solar and battery power in a way that is holistic, right? So they don't want to be connected to the grid because they then don't want to be dependent upon local society you know godless heathens Mm -hmm. in order to keep their way of life going so all of their mills will then be run or most of their mills will be run on power that they themselves can produce Mm -hmm. and if they can't produce it then they don't use it um because that's how they see right so they have pretty strict gender roles within their community but the other side of gender roles is no one has to wonder where they belong Mm-hmm. No one has to go out and find themselves. They know who they are. They right. know who they are, what they are. They have I mean, it's not like they don't have their problems. They have tons of problems in the Amish community. But yep. the it's because they're not <clears> Catholic. <throat> but they uh <laughs> insert integralism. Yeah. They just need they just need a couple of Mary statues, crucifix, it'd be nice. Yeah, it would be um but the that I mean just think about that level of Mennonite discernment, right? Like in our own lives. What we do is we adopt technology on the promise that'll make our lives easier. In fact, it's just another container that is now filled with a whole new Thing, a whole new world of things, right? So just think about a smartphone. I, I never, you never had to worry about middle schoolers looking at pornography on a retreat. Now you do. Mm-hmm. You never had to worry about, um, you know, people getting cyberbullied at two a.m. Now you do via text message, via these, you know, social media things. If you're a parent and you have a middle schooler, they never should have a cell phone. Right. Uh, at the very least, they should never have a smartphone. Right. And they should never have social media. If you give them that, you're a bad parent. Like, mm-hmm. you are. You're a bad parent. Yep. And you might rationalize it away. No, get the alternatives to iPhones. Oh, well, they need GPS. Great. There's, what they call them? Glo- globe phones or whatever. There are other alternatives. Do not buy them the latest and greatest iPhone and give them social media accounts. Text messages
1: w- alone will kill your kids. Drive them three miles away, drop them off, and say, make your way home. <laughs> and, then and then they'll say, well, we don't need GPS anymore. They actually know how to get around. Yeah. You do this with Celine, your three year old, mm-hmm. yeah, and then she, on the way home, she's praying the rosary, she prays the, the rosary in Latin, Latin. yeah, so. been...
0: <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. So one of the other problems that I think, so I live within the church context. Not everyone who listens to us does, but there are right now people who have written to us who work in like call centers and customer service stuff, who work um, in jobs where they can have headphones on and they listen to our podcast <laughs> and uh, while they're working and clickety clacking on keyboards, and it's like, okay, well, how do we help those people? church workers everyone have better jobs instead of having jobs where they feel like they come home and they're what was it they're not just tired they're fatigued mm-hmm. it's not just that i gave the the most you know uh, energy filled moments of my day it's that i my brain is done and it's done for several reasons and and i think the there's a movement now called the anti-productivity movement right like it's like a neo-marxist critique of oh you got to be more productive and I do feel like I feel some of their arguments. Sure, totally. Sure. Uh, and so I would say like Leo the 13th kind of line of thoughts of, you know, of Arm kind of like, yeah, there is this element that capitalism dehumanizes labor because it separates work from the product.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: just as much as we separate babies from bonding and all that stuff, we separate work labor from the thing that we're laboring upon. Um, and when you think about factory work, like I contributed a bumper to a car, but I don't get to see the car. I don't get to own the car. I don't get to drive in the car. So that that is an alienation, and I think for knowledge workers it's ten times worse. But it's 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 ten times worse because it's a thousand times smaller, but a million times more common. So mm-hmm. like, meaning the the ways we are alienated from our work is like I don't even I don't even know where I am on the conveyor belt of factory work. I'm just sending an email right. here. I'm writing a little thing there. I'm producing a piece of paper there. I'm giving yeah. a talk. Here, you know whatever am might making a phone call. And it's just off to the ether and gone, and someone else picks it up, and someone else carries a football, someone else does it, and but this happens to me a hundred or a thousand times a day, and it's, it's. I think that's wild. Like at least the guy who builds a bumper attaches a bumper to the back of a you know Saturn Prism. At least he knows, which doesn't exist anymore. At least he knows like this will eventually become that car at the end. Yeah, you know, and we don't even have that experience anymore.
1: But I think even in the material realm, I mean, you you uh, <clears throat> the other side of. Hans' point, is not just the predominance of information and, and sort of the rise of the non-objects, but it's also the element of speed, right? So even in the material realm, it's there is this rapid pace at which everything moves. So even if you were mm-hmm. uh, working primarily with your hands, for example, I mean, I would imagine that the pressure would be strong for speed, right? Yeah. That that uh, That there does have to be a real, not extreme, but a highly focused and intentional manner through which the things that you make or create have to be done slowly um because i think too the the other side is, is the ease through which commodification happens with all of these things sure. right that um you know you're going to sell your next set of ideas or you you know whatever whatever you're going to make is going to turn into the next big thing that you can promote in this way even i mean even with the anti productivity culture that you mentioned the the one woman that that Cal Newport talks about in his New Yorker article where he uh, – the woman that he interviewed who wrote a very popular book on why we uh, – like do nothing, or something, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And then here she is being bombarded by requests for going all over the country to give these talks and do these seminars, and then she experiences the very thing that she was railing <laughs> against. So, I mean, it, it's, it is a, a serious thing of – even in attempting to do that kind of slow productivity um it can very you can just at, get added one task yeah. which seems minimal and then all of a sudden it gets blown up into 30 different things and now you can't even capture them in front of you
0: yeah so one thing that cal Newport points out and cal Newport is the author of so good they can't ignore you deep work digital minimalism and a world without email he has other books too but those are the main four that We've talked about personally on this show, me and Luke, especially Deep Work. I think we've done two or three episodes on that. Um, But when we start to look at this, and digital minimalism is when I read that, we both kind of went off Twitter. And then one angry day, Luke deleted all of our social media accounts associated (laughs) with Catching Foxes. But the idea within Kyle Newport is it's asynchronous communication. It can be 2 o'clock in the morning. I send you an email. right? And there's a joy in that, that you don't have to be in a place ready to receive it in order to receive it. I can send it to you at any time. And that's productive, in a sense. Like I can, like mail. I can send you mail, but with email, I get to send it electronically, cheaply, and immediately. The thing that we don't realize is what Merlin Mann talks about. He's a guy that's founder of Inbox Zero that Cal Newport will sometimes uh, recommend or just kind of touch upon. But Merlin Mann makes this point that every email comes with expectational debt, mm-hmm. like. Someone might have sent a frictionless email that took them five minutes to write and it just added five hours of work to your workday, right? (laughs) And they have an expectation of timeframe that might not be realistic for you in your life. But now they've added this anxiety into your life that you have to manage. And we often manage those poorly because that's not the only one doing that. Mm -hmm. There are three or four or eight others or 10 others or 20 others. So for instance... Um, I get this one person who would email me or who would call me repeatedly at work and they would leave me a voicemail and then they would email me about five minutes later and say, I haven't heard from you. (laughs) I left you a voicemail. Why are you ignoring me? And I will reply to their email. I'm sorry. I'm in meetings back to back for the next four hours. I will get I will listen to your voicemail and then return your phone call tomorrow morning. Can we schedule a time to talk? Mm -hmm. Right. People don't do this. Uh, and they have this crazy expectation debt, irregardless of, regardless of what someone is working. Regardless isn't a word. Uh, regardless of what someone is actually doing, working on, involved in. You know. So sometimes I'll get text messages, and people will be like, "How come you didn't respond?" I'll be like, "Because I was going to the bathroom. You want me to poop and text?
1: I mean, I'll do it, but you probably don't want me." Can you bring your phone with you? Because if you can, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I can't smell. Uh, <laughs> I can't smell. Text it doesn't messages. come through the phone, does it? Ah. What kind of phone you got?
0: Odor vision. Um, what a smell, of, smell, of vision, <laughs> smell of it, odor vision, odor vision.
1: <laughs> I can see the odor.
0: It's gross. That's why I just send poop emojis. Um, yeah. So you have this expectational debt. So what you have to do is try to manage that expectational debt. And one way that people try to do it, thanks to Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, was put an autoresponder on and say, "I check email from this time to this time mm-hmm. on Tuesdays and Thursdays." Um. <clears throat> now, Cal Newport points out. Yeah. Well. It just seems like you're putting your burden on me. But sure. there's, some, there's a lot to say for, like, if you're out of office and people are sending you email after email, they need to know that you're out of the office. But if you're in the office and you have a way of approaching, 90% of emails are not time sensitive, like, mm-hmm. that have to, are not immediate. Right. They might think they're urgent, but they're not. If, if anyone has ever gone 24 hours without answering an email and no bad repercussions happened, those are what I'm talking about. Like, if you can go 24 hours without answering, those are non-urgent emails. They might right. be important, but they're not necessarily urgent. That's right. Um, and so, but to that individual, they might feel urgent. So how do we deal with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... Because it's a culture thing. <clears throat> no, it is. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's a culture thing. So the most obvious one, which probably... Doesn't happen unless it's like a tech startup thing. It's like the top-down thing where it's like this is established from day one as the culture is going to be like this, yeah. right? Where that – the one German company, I can't remember what they do, that Cal Newport references a lot where they mm. they work from Monday through Friday, 8 to 2. Um, email expectations are you're checking maybe once uh, – one, one to two times, two at max per day. Uh, cell phone usage is very minimal, if at all. And meetings are – nothing longer than 20 minutes. The meetings are really for something that's kind of urgent, right? But it, but what that does is, so it's the, the, once you remove the distractions, once you remove all of those things that are artificially considered to be a fundamental nature of our work, now you have a six hour window here where you get to actually just be really focused on doing your work. And maybe, maybe you have a little bit less than that if you consider lunch. Um, but the the reality there's you that would have to be a top down thing that's instantiated that's almost unheard of so what do you do then in the, from the other side of that is i mean you you basically just have to start having conversations with your depending on your the structure of your work i mean you have to talk with people in your department talk with your directors your managers and just really start having these kinds of conversations about the nature of your work what what actually is considered to be Valuable production, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there seasonality, right? And you're, I think the kind of the nice thing about, uh, in some respects, working for the for the church is the it's kind of like the university life. There's a seasonality to it, yeah. um, and to be able to take advantage of that and to use that for the good, I think, is something that has to be more explicit. Yeah, but I, generally, I'd say you have to be willing. Um, and open to just start these conversations, right? Yeah. Share these kinds of articles. And I think what you generally find, I mean, I'm speaking very narrowly here between you and I and whoever else is listening, but between you and I, I mean, we, we have these conversations pretty regularly frequently, with, yeah. with people at work, and they generally hear, right? The reactions are almost universally the same. Nobody seems to generally respond with, yeah, I've been reading Cal Newport, I use Trello, and I'm... I'm 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 rocking and rolling in this this kind of way that he talks about. It. Everybody feels feels the same exact way when you start these conversations. Like, oh my gosh, that would be incredible. Yeah, if we would start talking about start really implementing these things. Because to your point, when you mentioned the Cal Newport Tim Ferriss thing about the autoresponder, is it's it can that can feel like such an extreme. Kind of thing that you you're probably more likely to get pushback and a kind of um, sort of hesitation about. Eh, I don't know if that would really work, right? You have to build. I think you have to start building trust first, yeah. and demonstrating that you're executing well. You're you're doing the little things well. You're you're good at what you do, and then then that trust builds when we can start saying like, okay, yeah, let's start having these conversations. Let's really start focusing on how are we communicating in the right way that's actually good for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's probably the, the base way that you begin this thing. Yeah. I think for me
0: as a director and you're just a coordinator. Yep. Right. Uh, no, but you set the tone for the people that you coordinate, mm-hmm. right? The ministers of – You know the EMHC Sacristans, all the different people that do liturgical ministries. You have to set the tone, and your tone is like, whenever you're trying to do something new, where being always on, always connected, always on demand, you know this hyperactive hive mind thing. If you're going to do something different, people are going to freak, and they're going to freak hard because they think, well, then you'll be unreachable when I need you. Right. So then Cal Newport isn't saying, well, just don't do it. Like, they just have to deal with it tough. What he's saying is, no, you need to come up with redundant, strong systems mm-hmm. that get the stuff done that need to be gotten done, right? Yeah, that's right. And you need to put in the hard work. Like, sometimes it'll be awful to get those hard, those hard the flywheels spinning on these different things. Like, maybe, whereas most ministries rely on a constant back-and-forth email, just think about what the simple program called Sign Up Genius has done for scheduling people. hmm Like, hey, I'm going to leave essentially an Excel spreadsheet cell, Mm -hmm. a bunch of cells in an Excel spreadsheet. We're going to put it on a website. You email the link to all Mm -hmm. your volunteers Mm -hmm. or all your parents or all your students or all your whatever. And they go here. They sign up for the time slot. So you spend 30 minutes setting up. Like I've had to set up super elaborate ones with hundreds of categories and all this stuff. It's pretty crazy.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, But we were doing a, a parish bazaar and i needed I needed like thirty time slots a day. we was over for three days um and they were thirty increment time slots and like all and I had multiple shifts and so it was to get middle school kids volunteering for mm-hmm. this for this thing and yeah, it took me it took me like two hours to set up
2: mm-hmm.
0: but then I was done right <laughs> yeah. then I was done then all I'm doing is you know four weeks, three weeks, and two weeks go hammering the parents until all the time slots were filled. And then once they're full, uh, Sign Up Genius handles the rest, right? They do the reminder emails. They send up the daily, the three days before. They do all that stuff. You can customize it, but whatever. And the idea is like, well, what are systems that make sense? Yeah, I could have emailed hundreds of parents and gone back and forth and had them. What what about 3 p.m.? Oh, no, 3 p.m. is already taken. Uh, I have a 4 p.m.? No, no, you know, I'm having my taxidermist stuff my cat up for. I got to be there, you know, for snuffles. So I can't do that at that time. Okay, well, what time works? What about 6.30? I'm done. Snuffles should be stuffed and ready. Okay, well, you know, um, I'll, I'll see if I can get, You know, it's like that stupid back and forth. Like Stephen O'Connell, he had that great line. He said, I don't know all your things. Like, rather than email me a million emails, you just go on and put all your dates into our calendar for our, our scheduling calendar for facilities, and I'll go through and approve them.
1: Man, what a great development that was with yeah. the schedule. Yeah. I mean, I just think about... I didn't know that really the ins and outs of what it was, but I think about now what it is and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, just some something like scheduling funerals. Yeah. I just get to go in and punch it in. And I don't have to wait while I'm working with the families to say, Let me get back to you as soon as I hear if this works or not. Yeah. It just it's in and it's done. And it's done. And they can tell me, What about this date? Yeah, I can look right there at the master schedule. Funerals take precedence, and I can go, yep, that works. Boom. So um Get that body buried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think that the Yeah, like the, the the kind of the constant just back and forth, yeah. the, this this sort of unstructured there there's Unscheduled, it's unstructured, un, yeah, it's un, unclear. Yeah, and and two, I think part so uh, another part of the answer, the things that, that little things which or they seem little that we can do is uh, just even the way we construct emails, right? The expectations about what what somebody has to do in order to get my attention, mm-hmm. right? If you just send me a little general vague kind of thing, it shows me, it demonstrates to me, you didn't, you didn't work for this and this could have been handled in a different way, mm-hmm. right? I could just go into your office or I could just call you. We could handle this in 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. But the vagueness of your email now requires me to do more in-depth sort of uh, detective work to try to figure out, well, what is it that you actually were asking? Did you want this or did you want this? Like when, yeah. when was that? So, and even something like when someone wants to meet with you, right, being very like narrow the focus or it's, you, okay, we can either do Tuesday at 6 a.m. or we can do Thursday at 10.30. You pick yeah. versus, hey, what's a good time for you, for you to meet? That, the, the, the difference there is yeah. one email versus potentially seven yeah. Right? So uh, by, by creating expectations, I mean, there's even people, in all honesty, that uh, we, we all have this, people that email us with a, a high level of frequency that want to tell us or give us unsolicited advice or unsolicited critiques. And so you even have to be able to um, sift through that and and say how come you didn't respond? I, I am I have the liberty to be able to determine when I should respond to you or whether that thing is worth responding to you or yeah. not. And 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 then because I don't have the I don't have the time to be able to respond to the ten emails you just sent me right in the But
0: row. that's the expectational debt. Yes. Because they sent you an email so therefore they have earned a right
1: to tell you what your job is going to be for the next forty-eight hours right. or so twenty-four hours, isn't right. that bizarre? Well, the other problem, too, it's probably more so the case with clergy. I'm speaking very narrowly here with respect to the church, but I think even with anyone in particular, we were so we we are all of our information is readily available. I can all I have to do. I can find your information. I can reach out to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, the ease with which people can find us. And and then that that debt occurs almost instantaneously. Yeah, yeah. That that's a tremendous uh, that's a tremendous challenge. And um, yeah, I that's a that's a hard cultural thing to to overcome. But I, again, I do think there are there are people that I have worked with as volunteers where their expectations have shifted because of. And I've been very blunt with them. And it's um, yeah, they go, oh, okay. They're still not going to change what they're sending. They'll still send me those 10 right in a row, Mm -hmm. but now they, they know, oh, okay. Well, he did respond to these two. So, okay. He's attentive to the things that are actually, okay. If he finds these actually to be the most important, then. Oh, well. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Setting the
0: tone within my, and I've said this a trillion times, so everyone's going to get annoyed at this, but I, as the leader, it is my job to set the tone for my staff right i have people who are answerable to me for their income for their you know what they their <clears> results for their health insurance like i have to be the one on the ball being a leader is a responsibility it's not a reward right and when you make that shift in your head you realize well number one uh the the the, the book um what is it called the burnout society not bun, not the hans book not his book um there was a burnout burnout disorder burnout culture whatever uh, I referenced it a couple months ago, but um, this woman was writing on the experience of burnout today, and she said the thing that was really crafty is that corporates have corporations have offloaded their employee burnout on the employees. They're saying, well, you're disordered in your own life, so take up yoga. Take up transcendental meditation. Uh, you know, here's some – here's a, I mean, their HR mm-hmm. people will craft these lists of, like, how to reduce stress, anxiety, get more health, more activity into your life, right. less sedentary, um, and they want you to own – their dysfunction because she was right. she was at right. labor to point out that what creates burnout is not my home life i come home fatigued and empty mm-hmm. and so there's always <clears throat> there's always going to be stress whenever you have people right uh, like watching netflix half drunk and exhausted you know there, there's not a lot of stress going on in that moment but when you're interacting with people there's a lot of stress you know just in the normal interpersonal relationships and being you know responsible for other people but she was saying how no, it's the corporate culture that creates the burnout, and then because they're not going to reduce the workload, right? right? So it's that exploitative turn. They're demanding you fix it on your own time, right? You know, and they might do good things like give you a sabbatical, give you times mm-hmm. of, um, you know, a, an extra. There are some cultures that'll do, um, you know, you work eighty hours in two weeks, we'll give you the that Friday off. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you put it, but you still have to put in the 80 hours and right. they'll give you the Friday off. Like right. they try to do things where they limit different stuff, but it's like, okay, so here's the problem. Problem number one, chronic overload. Mm-hmm. I have a workload where everything claims to be urgent and it doesn't map on my brain. Right, so I feel overloaded all the time, and I'm filled with anxiety. I look at my, and I might feel like captain of my destiny. You know, I got this. I'm an inbox zero guy. But every morning when I turn on my email, I'm not inbox zero guy. Right, and I have to constantly fight it throughout the day. So then, number two is you have these overhead costs. You get dozens of emails, meetings, talking about it every time you're getting a new project. Like if we have to do um, something fancy for Pentecost, all of a sudden they're they're not just it's not just one thing. Right. It's 20 things. Right. So then you're like, okay, well, it's not just that we're going to do a sprinkling right and we got Well, now we also have to have music during the sprinkling right. Well, we also have to make sure that, you know, father so-and-so doesn't like this bowl for the sprinkling right. He prefers this. So we need to make sure that, you know, like he didn't do a sprinkling right because he doesn't like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the musicians last week at the mass that I was at, they were, they, they were like, oh, no, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Well, he had a reason for it, but he just didn't communicate that reason with anyone right. else. So it's like okay, there are actually fifty. So now there's emails to sacristans and and musicians, and then oh well, now we have to make a new song
2: mm-hmm.
0: during this thing. It's is it going to be an instrumental? Is it going to be just one person or five people? Is it you know? And people don't think about that. Hey, could you do this thing? We're just going to do a sprinkling right for Pentecost. And I'm literally making this up. Like we are doing a sprinkling right this Pentecost. <laughs> but, um, but it's kind of made up, right? But people, yeah, kinda. Uh, <laughs> what's that like Law and Order thing? Is like taken from the headlines. Um, <laughs> But the idea is, people don't realize the amount of work it takes to do a thing,
2: mm-hmm. and we
0: have twelve things. So right. it's urgent. It's overhead costs, and then it's the relentless pressure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You got to get this done now. You got to get this done now. You got to get this done now. Not in two weeks. Not in three weeks. Not. Right. You got to do it now. And whenever I get those unsolicited emails of people trying to give me their um, their ideas, I always say, I would love to talk to you about this. I'm really busy right now. How about in three weeks? A three weeks seems to be the magic number. One mm-hmm. week, maybe two, not so much. But at three weeks, enough of time goes by that they're like, what the hell was I even talking about? Right. right? Oh, they gain a new perspective. It's not that important. but um, mm-hmm. And it's not me trying to push them off. It's me trying to be like, I have, a, I have enough going on right now. I don't really need to worry about this. Yeah and I'm going to let them know I don't need to worry about this by scheduling it farther out. Mm-hmm. But if you have that chronic overload when you're at work and then you go home and you have all the other stressors of home life, you you feel exhausted. You never have right. rest. <clears throat> so no wonder we just zone out and we call yep. that recreation.
1: Right. Well, and your distinction that someone said to you between vacation and trips. Yeah. Um, even what was it? Even the, yeah, I mean, to your point about the overload, the speed – the quantity with respect to our work. Uh, um, I mean, initially a proposal, even it was in California, right? Legislative proposal to go down to a four-hour work week, right? One day? Um, huh? Four-hour, four-hour, four, did I say? You what? said four-hour work week, wasn't it a 36- 36 no, it's a. Uh, I'm sorry, a four day work week. Oh, there. It is. <laughs> what, you said four hour. <laughs> Whoopsie Daisy. Tim Ferriss. Um, yeah, so it's the, the a four day work week. There's some legislative proposals about this, but it's again, I, I think of some people in our in our circle of life who've who've been on vacations lately, and they're like, yeah, it it, it was restful in some respects, but the bombardment when you return, but also. The, the lingering thing that's just there in the background of, I feel like I've got to check email. Uh, I don't know if these, I'm not sure. I hope these things are getting done. But so that there's even the sense in which now, because of the ease with which we can all be connected and reached, right? The sort of the age of information now, it makes it, we, we can't, when we're not working, work is hanging right behind us, ready to cripple yeah. us, yeah. right? Or to exploit us or, even the willingness for us to exploit ourselves in that respect. So yeah, it's there. There. And yeah. if you're
0: not willing to exploit yourselves, there's something wrong with you.
1: Right. That's right. the
0: worst part. That's what yes. I as a leader have to manage. Like there are things that sometimes fall through the cracks. Like yep. I always think of Gandalf when we talk about murdering Gollum, mm-hmm. not even the wise can see all ends, mm-hmm. right? Like you can do the most efficient planning. Right. I can't. Cause I don't have that brain in my head, but People can do the best planning ever and still miss things. Because yeah, you don't know, you know, mm-hmm. your plans never survive contact with the enemy. Like right. you know, and <laughs> right. the enemy is our parishioners. Right. No, just kidding. But like you have this understanding that so many things can go wrong. Mm-hmm. So many variables are out there that you don't even know are out there. So that it necessitates, like, uh-oh, what are we gonna do here? So for instance, um, one of my one of my amazing whirlwind of efficiency people just stepped down into part-time. And uh part of it was giving up marriages marriage preparation all this stuff and we needed to get information for a convalidation for this person and i didn't know where it is i have no clue where to find all this Mm -hmm. stuff and this information so the person filling in came up to me and was like hey where would i get this i said well what are we doing and she said well i need it now because they're getting their marriage convalidated in a week and i said where are they getting their marriage convalidated she said here and i said okay who's doing it our priest or someone else oh yeah i'm one of our deacons okay awesome and then uh I brought her into the church, didn't I? And she said, yeah. I said, so those are our records? And she goes, yes. She was baptized somewhere else, but did her profession of faith here and confirmation here. And I go, okay, don't worry about it. Because we obviously have the information because my amazing whirlwind of an employee recorded it all. <laughs> and so we have a week of like, she she got her marriage convalidated last, on, on uh, Memorial Day Monday. I did a convalidation class on Saturday, right? And so everyone's like, oh, I need all this stuff. And it's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. And I'm the boss and you know, that if I'm not putting this pressure on you, you shouldn't feel the pressure. Right. So on Tuesday, when we're in the office, we will go through all the documents and we'll line it all up. We already know we have the information. We already know we have it. We can calm the heck down, you know. And I find that um, the relentlessness is what terrifies people. Yeah. Right. Like even if you have a mountain of work and you're plugging away, it's the it's the I have too much work that cannot humanly get done. And yet I know if I don't go crazy and trying to get it done, it's only going to get bigger and worse. And that's what we have to be able to take away. That's what, so how did we do it in our job in my department? We did something that we are going to get a lot of backlash for. We went for our registration for our school year, 2022, 2023, for children's faith formation, sacrament preparation, and for youth ministry to the month of August only. Prior to last year, it had to be, it was required by our previous pastor to have it open permanently. Because, and this is a very generous thing, like pastoral support, yeah, he wants to be pastoral to people. Like, don't refuse people who are mm. wanting to come to the church.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: 100% get that. But the difference <laughs> between then and last year was we lost uh, around six people in the department that could have handled helped handle that workload. Right. When I came to a meeting, I showed up late on purpose. I had this meeting started, and I scheduled another one a little bit ahead, so that they could talk freely without me. And it was the most strategic thing I've ever done in my entire life. Brilliant. It was on accident. But I walked in there and they said, okay, we have a proposal for you. And I'm like, oh, crap, I'm going to get fired. But then no, because I'm the boss, right? That's what I didn't think of. We think you should fire yourself. Oh, I am self-flagellating. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, well, let's hear it. And they said, can you please end registration on September 25th? I said, "Why? Because it's Shannon's birthday." Absolutely. So we Done. ended registration, and no, so this is last year. A month and a half after every, a month and a half after school started, six weeks after school started locally, Conroe ISD, and uh, three weeks after classes started. So these, like, you can only miss three days worth of class per semester, and then you got to make up and blah blah blah. So for us, and I said, "Well, why?" I mean, they were looking at me like with, like, they were begging me with their eyes. Please, can we do this? And I'm like, okay, why? I said number one, yes. I like, and it was unanimous. I said number one, yes. That will be it. It's written in stone. I will fight for this, and this is a hill I'm willing to die on because I'm looking at how like stressed out you look at my just awaiting my answer. And I said, but What, what is the deal? And they said, do you, do you understand? We max out our classes for like children's faith formation. For a parent to say, well, I just want to add little Johnny, and it's October first. Well, if you add him to a class, mm-hmm. all of a sudden. That maxes out. A teacher's probably already maxed out. Right. So now you actually have to split the class in half. Where are you going to put that other class? Well, it's just one kid. No, it's not. It's literally for every one kid that's added late, it's around six to eight hours worth of labor behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And we have less people <clears throat> than we've ever had before doing the same volume of work. Right. And so something I had to give. So I got permission from my, he was like, absolutely. And his great insight to me was, You know, we're trying to be generous to our parishioners, but we end up being unjust to our parish staff. Right. Mm -hmm. And when he said that to me, I was like, yeah, you know, if we have three more full-time people, we probably could have handled that without it being horrible. Right. But we don't. And the people that we do have, two of them are part-time. They're 16 hours a week or less. So as opposed to people whose jobs they took who were 40 hours plus. Right. Yeah. So you have to look at your systems. So now this year coming up, it's the month of August. School starts on August twelfth. Most of our Hispanic community is back from their home countries during summer. They're back on um, anywhere from August first to August fourteenth. Even though school starts on the twelfth, some of them—it's uh, actually a visa thing. I found out, especially in Mexico, you—they approve blocks of visas for blocks of time. Mm-hmm. And so, if people go to school in America, it's like it starts on August fifteenth or something right. like that. It doesn't start on August first. If it started on August yeah. 1st, I couldn't be here for the end of the year. So they just skipped the first year. It's crazy. But um, you have all this stuff. We have a very wealthy community. People travel all summer, all that stuff. So the month of August, online registration, in person registration. And then after August, I'm sorry, I'll see you next year, or here's your home study. You can buy it on Amazon. And we do this because we know that it's going to kill our people. So now our people, for the first time in the history of St. Anthony's, will have twelve, eleven 11 days <laughs> from the end of registration. Eleven days to set up their classes, organize their small groups for one thousand three hundred students. That's how many people we take mm. in, mm-hmm. and so instead of doing it in, oh, we wanted you know forty people because last year on September twenty fifth it ended on September twenty sixth. We received thirty emails of people begging us to let their kids in. Where were they two days ago? Where were they one day ago? They didn't care. Answer an email. They were answering an email. Hive mind. So so as a boss, like the chronic overload was something that I could correct. Yeah. And it's going to fall like a hammer. So what did we do? Well, we did more work in, in March where every single one of our calendars were done and ready and in and in English and Spanish at Easter. Right. And it's been in the Easter Bulletin. It's been in the Bulletin since Easter. Yeah, every we, don't, week. we don't have an Easter Bulletin. We don't have an Easter Bulletin. We just have a, just have a regular Bulletin.
1: Right, but there's it goes out
0: during Easter. Right? Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's okay. It it's, 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 you know what? God calls to qualify, it and qualify call. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so, so th- the call. Wait. So, anywho, so these and then I did end of the year meetings. We've never done end of the year meetings. I did six meetings of the exact same thing over and over again, just to make sure that my parents of first graders and second graders were prepared for what's coming in August. Right. Because so yeah, we got to do a lot more work on the front end in order to have a lot better situation on the back end. Yep. As things are starting to wind down, that seasonality, end of the year, like our last class was the first week of May. That's when I had all of the parent meetings. And do you know what that did? That enabled my children's faith formation coordinator to be like, good, Gormley's got that. It's his baby, his directive. He's got the handouts in English and Spanish. Everyone that comes will be informed. That'll at least save our keisters
1: 50% next year. They'll be ready to rock next year. It's interesting how you know the mission of the parish is the salvation of the souls of the prisoners, But how we're unaware of the fact that that can even be justified or that's used as a form of justification for creating the same results that are happening outside of the church in terms in the secular world in terms of how people feel about work the burnout i mean i think you have pretty high rates of burnout within the nature of church work yeah um average I, youth team, average youth
0: minister was 18 months when i started yeah i want to say that it's 15 months now
1: yeah well i remember reading there's a great washington post article a few years ago where a guy that he had began his own startup company, his tech company. And he went to McDonald's one day. And when he got, when he was the next person in line and the cashier was helping him, it was one of his employees. Oh, and he, they looked at each other, both stunned. And he said, you know, what are you doing here? And she just broke down, you know, and she said, I don't make, I don't make enough money. You know, I'm, I'm, I had to pick up a second job. Oh. and it just crushed him, you know, and he, so the next day, you know, the next week he completely, like, he went back to the drawing board, reconfigured everything, and he said, because I don't ever want to have that experience again. I or, don't want or, people seeing me at McDonald's. I to know don't me. was like, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, I'm meeting a hooker, right? That's the Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> I'm definitely not eating here. Not eating here. No, thank uh, you. He Gross. should be here any minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that Jim Gaffigan. Uh, but, yeah, that, that idea of uh, there's something – uh, it's not for us to talk about today about uh, what constitutes the nature of Catholic social teaching, but I, I would say just generally speaking, there's something about the nature of work that I think uh, should make the parish or a parish be different in terms of work, obviously in terms of the the end game, which is salvation, but also what comes before that and how we actually accomplish that in the day-to-day things, which we seem to not do. I don't mean here, I just mean generally speaking. I don't think we're much different than the rest of the world. And the the harder
0: part, and and this is the thing that we're not anticipating, with less priests, you're going to have more mega parishes or parish collaboratives, you have three parishes in one. How are you going to manage that workload going forward? It's going to increase. And if it's increasing, and no one's thinking about systems, processes, um, leveraging tools and technology to take away the chronic overload mm-hmm. aspect. If no one's being smart about this stuff, we're gonna keep killing our people. Yeah. And the clergy too. And the clergy. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean um, they're becoming sacramental pest dispensers. Yep. Like you're here, give me what I want. Now get out of here and, mm-hmm. and you know. It's it's yeah. dangerous. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's gonna immediately lead it's we're gonna turn like you ever call like a huge corporation's customer service. You know, it's like the worst experience ever. Uh, I think most customer services are pretty. So um, when I did my Homeward mortgage, I mm-hmm. call up the people. They just straight up answer. Like, hey, how's it going? Hey, Mr. Gormley. And I'm like, what? Oh. How do you know my name? This one lady who I've never spoken to, never emailed. I called up and I said, hi, uh, Vanessa, my name is Michael Gormley. I'm, and she goes, oh, yeah, I've been staring at your file all day, Mr. Gormley. How's it going? How are you and Shannon doing? And she's like, I got I got your whole family memorized. <laughs> she's like, I've been looking wow. at your file for the last, you know, last two hours. We're getting ready for your mortgage and all this stuff. Because they got to do all this back-end work and um and they all answer within two rings and it was a completely different experience than when i call AT&T. when you call t first you get a phone tree your call is important to us <laughs> dun, dun, dun. you know and you hear that over and over again my wife was one time on hold uh for an hour and a half with a company and she, so grief. she just have it on speakerphone she does work comes back you hear the same muzak playing right which is an insult uh, to injury, right? But, like, you start looking at it, they're understaffed, they're poorly trained, they're overloaded, they speak out of anxiety, anger, they quickly dismiss customers. People tend to think of customer service as the rudeness department. Mm -hmm. Like, how many times are you transferred? How many times do you have to speak to a manager because that person can't do what you need? Right? We think about this, that's what we're doing to our parishes. That is the paradigm for where the parish is headed we're going to we're going to hook you up to this machine called the computer email and phones, and you're just going to go go go. and it's like, well, then, when can I plan a liturgy? when can I plan a life night? when can I write this stuff and it's like, shut up, but also make all that stuff <laughs> like right. shut up, do the thing, do all this extra, and so we have to be smarter so for my people, you don't answer a single email before nine a m you don't you aren't required to reply but after four p m you know, we have eight thirty to four thirty is our office hours. So if you're coming in from eight thirty to four thirty, that first thirty minutes and that last thirty minutes is winding up and winding down, right? It's not just like, oh my god, I, got, I I I answer emails from home, so I know what to expect, and I get to work and I start doing all that stuff. That works. That job approach works for administrative assistants
2: because mm-hmm.
0: most of their job is email, right? Right. That's how they feel. That's how that is actually how their job is structured. But for most other jobs, it's not reception, administrative assistance. Your deep work is balancing those lists and figuring out when it's appropriate to share with your coordinators, your assistant coordinators, whatever. But for if everyone acts like an administrative assistant in terms of availability to email to these things, that's where the overload. Because on top of all that, you also have to write curriculum for eight weeks. Right. Like uh, I want to say, where, where did I have? I, I wrote down a list. So this summer, my youth ministers are at Covecrest right now. So they drove for a day and a half. They'll drive for a day and a half back on a bus with 40 kids. Mm. So that's hell, purgatory. Um, then they, <laughs> they drive for an hour and a half through the night, or a day and a half through the night to, Florida, to Georgia, North Georgia. They'll go to Lifeteen Covecrest. They'll do a week worth of camp, right? You're mm-hmm. getting about four to six hours, hopefully uninterrupted, of sleep. Right. And that's it. Then you're on for the rest of the day. Then they drive back. Okay. Then they have so they get back on Sunday night on Tuesday they have open youth room for middle school Thursday open youth room for high school mm-hmm. but we also have to start planning for World Youth Day Lisbon uh kickoffs we we always do a huge beginning of the year kickoff advent party fall retreat spring retreat confirmation retreat with 400 350 people wow 280 kids, 250 kids plus a teen two teen assistants per class plus two catechists per class um, plus all the other volunteers and helpers and musicians that we need just to execute the retreat's about three hundred and fifty people, right So you think about that, that's insane. And the 125 EMHCs that you're going to be using. Yeah, well, we actually, we're going to increase it. We got permission. Oh, good, good. To increase it so that it's literally 50% of the place giving communion to 50%. (laughs) So everyone just just turn to your neighbor. It's so (laughs) communal. Uh, Very neighborly. But, like, so I went through and I listed eight things. Now, when you say World Youth Day 2023, that isn't buying a package and then asking people to sign up. You're talking about, at um, at minimum, at minimum, six to eight informational meetings, parent meetings. Mm -hmm youth meetings, small group pairing people up, preparing them for the trip, go, sending out packing lists, communicating with the pilgrimage company, the tour guide company, the bus company, signing contracts, submitting contracts ahead of time so your pastor can review it. Our archdiocese, they have, the pastor has submitted to the legal department first in the diocese. So now you're adding weeks of runtime time right. to things that have just a couple weeks of deadline. So if you aren't executing almost hourly and – in July, <laughs> right? You're gonna fail, right? And so that's the burden. So I started pulling stuff out, and then the number one thing we got from parents: Well, what happened to this? Well, what happened to that? And I was like, I, I, Will you volunteer and lead it? If you volunteer and lead it, I'll, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. But I can't ask them to do it. I can't. I can't. One month or one time a month, every single month until from from June right now until September of next year. They have major events where a hundred plus people are attending, or fifty plus people are attending. Fifty plus meaning it's outside the parish, so You're coordinating buses and planes. A uh, hundred or two hundred or three hundred if it's local. Wow. Like, it you, do you think that just happens in a day? Yeah, and and it's not the only thing you're doing. Yeah, and you're building relationships. You're writing curriculum. I didn't even talk about writing a curriculum for the fall and the spring. You have to develop it. I mean, yeah, we use Life Team, but Life Team does isn't writing curricula for three hundred kid. Three hundred freshman programs. Right, they're writing curriculum for thirty, forty, maybe a hundred large youth groups. For most places, most of the, in the country is a hundred. So this is deep work. This is the stuff when teachers are writing curriculum and when they're giving talks. That's that's deep work. It is. And then they have people waiting in the wings just to come up and tell them everything they did wrong. And you you have this cycle, and you're like, I'm going to lose my mind. So what do you do? Well, number one, personnel. You got to hire. You got to mm-hmm. pay people. Yep. Right. And so thankfully, we just hired an admin assistant who's a whirlwind kickboxer of. Of uh logistics. But I mean like I feel terrible, but I don't know how to I don't know how to do it any other way. So it's processes, it's whatever. But good lord. No
1: wonder people feel like they're so burdened. They don't know how to get out of it. They don't. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of hope that they would be able to. Yeah. So
0: So the first thing is you can't hack your way out of the problem. <clears throat> no. No. You can you can the only way you can do is you overhaul. You can't hack. Right, You can come up with some little stuff to give you a little wiggle room, but you got to figure out that work in that unscheduled email, collaborative, blah, 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 is a terrible way to go about you got to come up with alternative systems. you got to be clear. you got to force it. And you have to get your boss on board. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to get your boss on board. They have to realize that what is work. Like for you, how would you define your job? You're a liturgy coordinator. So what would be work for you? Like, it's not just answering emails, but it's the. No. I mean, one, it's funerals. You are entirely mm. responsible for funerals. Yep. From the family to the. What do you call it? The, what do they do at the graveside?
1: Burial. No. The. Committal. Right Rite of committal. Committal. Yeah. I didn't know if this was like a legit question. I didn't know if it was a quiz question. Yeah.
0: What do you call it when you're a deacon <laughs> in training and you're forced to go to a burial? Right of committal. Normal.
1: Yeah, daily work. Um <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean a lot of the physicality aspects of um uh you know, moving things around, supplies, stuff like that, making sure everything's restocked, you know, doing the, there's a, there's a lot more movement around with this position than just, you know, sitting here answering emails, coordinating things in that through that venue. It's mean, yeah. part that's certainly part of it, but Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean I think um uh, <clears throat> uh the things that we've done to uh, you know when i first came in um I, what what was your line is like you know you 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 were just kind of like a kind of seemed like you came in you're maybe like a copy editor and a lot of printing and yeah you know <laughs> putting stuff in sleeves and <laughs> and and
0: you um you rethought the entire job yeah well and, 80% of the of the bulk
1: work right right yeah and i mean in certain respect it, it, it the funny thing about that is it's it did two things simultaneously one i think perhaps um it it was it it was an opportunity to demonstrate the the value the good that i could bring the same time too it actually um didn't delegitimize my the position uh, but i think it put uh, it it (laughs) it put it at a level uh, a healthier level um both for expectations for myself but also what others would expect uh, from me but again there's there's back and forth on that there was like you know how come this wasn't done in this way well because it shouldn't be. It actually should look like this. And actually, you don't need this thing that I'm creating, which really requires zero skill and anybody can do this. Um, But actually, their source is right here. You're referring to the Roman missile. How do you know? You're referring to printing off (laughs)
0: 90% of the Roman missile, putting them in binders. Yeah. It's funny. It's just like Mary, when she took over the bulletin, the bulletin was 20 hours a week. Right. And now it's four. Right. And how does it four? Well, people used to send in Pages of word document typed up, and then you had to fit it into a paragraph, and they got mad at you. Well, guess what? We weren't setting expectations, or we weren't setting expect. We were like at the beginning of the year, hey, this is how you communicate. This is where you send this to. This is how long it should be. You know, two hundred fifty words or whatever, two hundred words or no, two hundred fifty characters, something like that. Well, then what did she do? She found Google Forms, and she created a. This is how you submit, and she just sent that to everyone. And the cool thing about Google Forms is you can put a character limit. Mm -hmm. And she put that character limit. You know what? The individual, it made it harder on the individual ministries to learn how to condense what they wanted. But in so doing, it made what they put the most important information on there. And then she could just take that and it's emailed to her. So she has multiple backup copies and she's copying and pasting into her form. And all of a sudden, something that took 20 hours chasing people down, following people up, what if I cut out this? Can you send me a revised one? To then, boom, done.
1: But isn't it funny, though, that the challenge with some with someone like that, um, where they're so good at what they do, they create tremendous levels of efficiency through systems and these various practices, what you will almost unfailingly want to do with them is to give them more work. Yeah, If you have a good youth
0: (laughs) minister, soon they become in charge of young adults. Yep. Right? And then they become DREs. And
1: then there's a way in which now the cycle, we we begin again. So we do the things necessary to kind of get out of that hyperactive hive mind and the, the burden of the quantity of work. Look at now how I've been able to do these things in a kind of slow productivity, do them well. But now what's coming is increased quantity because you can handle it. Um, and we protect those who can We
0: should fire those who can't. Bingo. Or we should first train them up. Right. And if they're untrainable, you should fire them. Right. Right. Because then you need. Because then what you're doing is the busiest people will get crushed, and yeah. the the people who are not good in the area of the job that they have. They're not. It's not a moral yeah. judgment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, someone is, but <laughs> it's evaluative to a point. Yeah. But you're not really. You're not evaluating their moral worth. You're just saying the job that you're in and the only job that we offer. You can't do. Yeah, the, skill, the yeah. yeah, it's not a moral judgment. It's it's
1: temperament, psychology stuff,
0: skills. Yeah. If someone doesn't have social skills, you can't put them with, in funeral ministry dealing with families who are grieving. I'm really sorry for your loss. But you know what? I don't have time for this. <laughs> give me three weeks, and I'll give you one hell of a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, uh, I think every word that came out of your mouth was the wrong word. You know what? I'm going to have to ask you to leave. You know
1: what? No,
0: yeah, I'm my ministry is awesome. It's popular. People are just dying to get in here. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. Cross side, yeah. <laughs> Looking at the gravestone on the side. Um, but that that's so true. And so what the busy people get busier, and then they burn out because then the, all of a sudden they have chronic work overload. Mm. And the least busy people are protected. We should protect the ones who create the most bang for the buck, kind of thing, right? Like <laughs> it's why star baseball players are given more, star athletes on sports ball teams are given more money because they bring in more money. And you realize that if you compensate them to some sort of ratio, all of a sudden you'll see the returns and they won't leave. They feel appreciated. If we we suck at training, if we suck at management, and this is management, I need to know what you're working on, not because I need to be like, I don't think, like, I want to know what my people are working on, not because I want, I'm suspicious like, are you really working? When you say you're going to work from home today, are you really working? Mm -hmm. It's not that. What I trust in my people, if they're going to work from home, I know they're working from home. I know they are. But then the thing becomes, okay, what are you working on so that I can make sure it's not overburdening you? And because the moment it is, and I'm, I'm going to overburden a star player, they're going to think about going somewhere else. Or, you know what? My husband works. I'm going to step back. Like, the saddest thing in the world would be if Jennifer Rush, you know, who helps oversee all this admin work, if she's like, you know, I don't need this drama. Like, that would be horrible. Mm-hmm. I would die. I would, cro- I, would, I, would I would. just right. right then get in the fetal position. And cry for two or three days straight. Because one of the things she says is, I delight in taking work burdens from other people and doing it myself. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you're the opposite of me. And then she said, <laughs> Great.
1: Can you? I got a couple things for you. Hey, how do you do
0: Excel? <laughs> uh, no, she's, but then at the same time, she told me that in a previous job, she has repeatedly told her bosses, Do not promote me. I do not want to do your job. I want to do my job really, really well, which is to help you do your job. Mm-hmm. And the moment you you promote me and I'm doing something different, I'm not going to like it, and you're not going to like the result. So yeah. I told her, I will never promote you. You'll never be promoted. <laughs> uh, good you, news. Yeah, good news. Good news. This is it. No, but <laughs> like, but there are some, there's a famous guy at Apple who has been offered for like 10 years promotions to senior management. And he's like, nope, I just like coding. Just give me more money, please. Yeah, yeah. Don't take this away from me. I don't want to manage people. I want to manage code. And it's like stuff like that that I think is awesome.
1: Yeah, and that, that it's it's not just the automatic thing of because you're in this position, the only way – that there's only a way forward, and that means you have to go up this ladder instead of being like, well, no, why can't I just do this thing really well and be good at it? Yeah. and And that's where the
0: lifestyle side of it is the most important because if your values are built around doing a job, doing it well, feeling rewarded – then you're not going to derive value from the act of climbing the corporate That's ladder. Right. You reject careerism for the sake of work. Right. For the sake of dignified work. But also what you value first is the lifestyle that you're creating. So when Mary, who's incredible at work and super efficient, when she came into my office and said, "I'm about to have twins and I have a toddler at home." I said, "Are you quitting right now?" I said, "And I would be 100% on board with you quitting." And she said, "No, but I wrote a job description of what I want to do." And she was one of those people, the first book that I read of, uh, what's his name, Cal Newport, So Good They Can't Ignore You. Like, I can't can't ignore her. She's so good. She crafted her job that no one else can do around her lifestyle, which meant for her losing money, but it meant for her being part-time at home with her baby. Well,
1: it's beautiful, too. I mean, she has her lifestyle. You have yours. I have mine. It's just great. They're just differently. Right. They're just alternatives. Uh, I have to think
0: about this Frankenstein syndrome, yeah. Because I think like Facebook, hey, connect with your friends or terrorist groups, <laughs> you know? <Okay. laughs> hey, Arab Spring, also blowing people up, <laughs> shoot people in faces, uh, like right? Like you think about that? <laughs> connect with your friends. <sighs> Well, and, I mean, hey, connect with your friends and ex-girlfriends, and now you're having an affair. <laughs> and now Facebook goes from never being mentioned in a court document to being the top three reasons why people get divorced. Whoops-a-daisy. Whoops-a-daisy. Frankenstein syndrome. It says here you're getting divorced because of Frankenstein syndrome. <laughs> uh, Mr. Zuckerberg,
1: how do you handle these? <laughs> Frankenstein syndrome. <laughs> Neil Postman talks about it.
0: Oh, gosh. I think we exhausted work. I'm exhausted. I feel fatigued. I know.
1: Not me. I feel energized. Really? Yeah, I think it was the Athletic Greens.
0: (laughs) Well played. And Credit Karma. I think that's also an ad. (laughs) Good setup. Yeah, so I I think this is so important. We are wasting time at work because we're doomed to the stupid hyperactive hide mind that makes you think the only way you're really working is if you're working incredibly exhausting hours. You're not actually producing the thing you want to produce. Like I ask parents, if you didn't have to answer email for a week on your jobs, what would that feel like? And you can hear the room go, uh, I have a talk called Deep Parenting in a Digital World. And they just, you see like anxiety leave their shoulders, right? That mm-hmm. like hunched up, like, ah. Uh. Please, Jesus. You're like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> whoa, holy whoa. moly.
1: Take uh, it easy, Carol. I am
0: not Sister Miriam. This is not a healing service, okay? <laughs> uh, but I,
1: we a, can anoint you afterward. <laughs> I can anoint you. I can anoint you. It's not holy oil. It's, it's just olive oil. It's just, it's tasty, though. It's um, lavender. <laughs> but uh,
0: yeah, it's an essential oil. Uh, <laughs> it's not sacramental, whatever, church. It's um, still
1: important. That's why it's
0: essential. That's why it's lavender. No, but the, and I, so I asked these people afterwards, I said, okay, what, what, are, what do you do? That email is distracting. Well, he's like, well, I get my job done. I go, then what is your job? Good grief. And they'll say whatever it is. And I'm like, then why does your mm-hmm. boss force this? Well, you know, and that's the concession. Mm-hmm. Well, like I need to be in touch with, and it's like, but you just said you could get more work done if you didn't have to do email. So why are you not getting more right. work? Like, would it make sense to have five of you have one administrative assistant who just coordinated yeah. and collated all that stuff?
1: Yeah. Well, and when you, not that it has to be the topic now, but you think of that, you know, the, the Donald Nooths, right? The the monastic type of philosophy where the, the the extreme mode of that that we would think of, which makes us very uncomfortable, is that they don't do any correspondence. Because that's the only way that they can get the real work that they, yeah. that they're profession necessitates you know to be good at this thing this is what it this is what it takes so they have to set these again what we would consider to be radical conditions but it, yeah. it actually it, they're radical from our perspective because we're in many ways unwilling to do something that's close to that
0: yeah so you're saying cal newport in deep work uh, kind of has these four philosophies of dealing with do, how do you do deep work monastic is just cut everyone off isolate yourself in order to crank it crank
1: it out, whatever. Yeah, concentration is literally re- Entirely. All, all day. Yeah, it's seven so there's day, no room for shallow work.
0: You're just doing the deep stuff where it's high, difficult, uh, undivided focus. And then you have bimodal, which is more like seasonality. Like yep. you create these divisions within your day, within your week or whatever. Uh, what's the difference between bimodal and rhythmic?
1: So the... I mean, certainly the bimodal could include the rhythmic, but the bimodal – the example that Cal Newport gives is the Adam Grant, the um, business professor at uh, UPenn, where he over – I mean, he's a prolific author, but he's also a beloved and highly respected teacher. Um, But he – what he does is he really packs in his fall semester coursework. Mm-hmm. Or or it's the other um, other way around, and then the spring is a much lighter load, and so the fall he knows a lot of his deep work is not really going to be done that semester. But he he wrote a book called Give and Take, and it which is a very very um, very good book. But he that that's about being available to people. So the 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 times of the year in which he's not doing as much deep work, he's very expressly available and open to people, mm. open um, to interruption, <clears throat> open to interruption because yeah. he knows the deep work, it's not that it's not possible. It's just, it's less. And then in the, the other semester, a lot more, you know, periods of like he takes two or three days a month where he's completely off the grid and he's just, so there's some aspects of the monastic, but it's not as, Yeah. it's, it's not more all the seasonal. time. It's it more is more seasonal. seasonal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, school year where you're on nine months, but you're off for three months. So rhythmic is where you create time daily for this stuff. So this is what you do. Right, You you are writing a dissertation, supposedly, where it, you set everything up the night before. Then in the morning, you wake up, you get your coffee, you sit down. I imagine there's some prayer happening, but probably not. No, you don't
1: pray.
0: <laughs> that was my favorite. Every time in Latin. <laughs> I always find the weird... Anywho, sorry about that. Uh, so you do the, the rhythmic stuff where yeah. you try to do your deep work first thing in the morning. Three hours of intense focus on your doctoral dissertation. Or I get
1: distracted and write other things. But or, yes, writing is occurring. Yeah. That is correct. In theory. But yeah, the, but I mean, I will set everything up the night before. So I fill up the coffee, I fill up the teapot with water. I make sure the coffee's ground, generally. Everything is right. My, the computer's in the spot. The book I need, everything's out. My planner's out. Everything is set so that I wake up, turn the water on. Everything's ready and then i just as soon as the coffee's done it's on and yeah. i'm i go i might maybe i'll spend like 10 minutes or so after prayer maybe i'll spend 10 minutes or 5 reading something probably from cal Newport or something <laughs> about just getting me into the, the into that kind of that mindset do you ever use music intentionally you know so i've tried it um me- remember uh jurassic
0: park theme song there slowed was that, down 800%
1: there was that adhd uh, like nine hour play, but not that I have ADHD. But I'm just saying, I actually liked the rhythm of that yeah. that, um, that music. But I I actually found I, I didn't per, over time. I I didn't particularly like using it. And so okay. Okay. Um, I know some people like to I when I had. When I was doing my dissertation comprehensive exams, sometimes I would go to like Starbucks or like a coffee shop, and I love being around other people because um, my only love language is physical touch. Yeah. Hey, what drink you got there? Can I put my finger in it. Oh, you want to try it off my finger? Where are you going? Hey, let's talk. Hey, Officer Johnny, what are you (laughs) here? Oh, no, I did Uh, it again. uh, (laughs) Uh, uh.
0: So so, monastic, bimodal, which is more seasonality, rhythmic, which is more daily and weekly. Yeah, building an
1: actual rhythm where it's like you're actually seeing even like Jerry Seinfeld. I think he kind of uses that with like you got the joke. You cross it off each day.
0: Then you have journalistic, which is you go for big blocks of free moments whenever you have them.
1: Yeah, they're more sporadic. It's yeah. I've got forty-five minutes here, I've got twenty minutes here, I've got. That's
0: hard because it's hard to get into that mode. But the journalistic thing is, you you have to have a mind that can burst right, deep right. work. Not yeah. if if you're the roller coaster, the tick tick, tick right. you, That's not for you you're not you're not the bullet out of the gun kind of I think of thing. the
1: more normative most humanly scaled ones are probably the middle two the bimodal yeah. and the uh, the rhythmic to
0: me i feel like youth ministry it, it's funny because educational ministry in the church is almost the exact opposite in terms of busyness of liturgy in that when you're the most busy i'm on vacation <laughs> i have a day off like easter easter monday um the triduum all that stuff yeah um, you Christmas give me these time. sap
1: stories hey you you need help yeah, I'm like mike no I don't need help. I try to be helpful. You need help? Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, okay. Well, let me get Diane. I mean, that, like that. <laughs> yeah, no. I could get
0: three of my employees to help you. <laughs> no.
1: I don't like lifting things. I,
0: uh, yikes! Uh, that looks heavy. Yeah, but the, the journalistic thing, I think, is kind of what a lot of people will default to if they're not yeah. intentional about it. Yep. So for someone like me with ADHD where I get a calendar, I try to do the calendar, then I fail at the calendar, my saving grace is Outlook. So we have an Office 365 subscription. I use Outlook calendar for uh, Outlook calendar and Gmail calendar for my life. work Home life is Gmail calendars, and then work is work. So everything is within Outlook. I schedule all of my meetings. I schedule deep work in my calendar. Because if it's not there, number one, I won't be reminded, and I'll just come in and just start letting the day get carried away. Every Monday for me is deep work Monday. It's where I have to get, at, at the very most, of the, or at the very least, the mornings, I actually will come in earlier on Monday. I get in about 8, and I just sit in my office. I don't even go to my desk where my computer is. I sit at this little round table I have, and I have a book, and I have a notepad or something like that. Or a pad. Or a pad, you know. There you go. And I'm ready to just read. Mm. Because if you don't, like, I have to stay. That's like sharpening my saw stuff, sharpening my axe. Like, I have to stay reading all the time. In order to be a part of the wider conversation of, of liturgy, of um, evangelization, discipleship, like there's so much on top of prayer, on top of devotion, on top of meditation, on top of all the stuff that you have to do to be a sane Catholic and a sane human person, you also have to do it at a higher level for your jobby job. And so like, it's not a joke. Like me and Dave, the last episode of Every Knee Shabau was how to do summers well. And it's like, number one, as it decreases, you need to figure out, all right, here's where I get to do the dreaming the visioning, and then the long-term planning. Right. If I don't use these times to do that, I'm, I'm, summer's going to be completely wasted. Yep. If I just use it for like, Ooh, I'm going to veg out, then you know, procrastination pays off now, not then. Right? I'm going to screw over older Gomer. Right? Right. I'm going to totally screw him over. Mm-hmm. Right? They make a really good product. So, I don't know. For me, the rhythmic thing is important. Shallow work is not less important. It might be less important for the overall company, but shallow work still has to get done.
1: Someone's got to do it.
0: Someone has to do it, and you have to do it. Yep. So then you say, okay, well, I'm going to do it this way. For the first half of my morning, I'm going to do the thing that they pay me to do. And for the second half of my morning, I'm going to do the things I need to get done, or second half of the afternoon, or whatever, in order to do those. Like, you know, there's people that do that, like salesmen who from nine to noon only do sales calls. And then from one to three, they do in all the paperwork. And then two to five, do the follow
1: ups. Yeah. I think the challenge, the, the burnout thing is that. Work is becoming reducible to shallow work. Yeah. It's not that it's like a 50-50 or a 60-40 thing. It's, yeah. it's a 90-10 thing or more. Yeah. And it needs to stop. Right. Yeah.
0: So here, here's a sad
1: thing, and we'll end here. Yeah. This
0: is how shallow work escalated. So in order to stay in touch with parents, we thought it would be a good idea to create a GroupMe account. <laughs> so this means all the parents are on one social media thing with Sammy and PJ, that they can type it, well, really, same, because PJ did not have a smartphone anymore, but so that they can stay in touch and, hey, let you know what's going on. Well, now the parents are texting all the time. Hey, what are they doing? Hey, can I get pictures of my kids in their small group? Hey, can we get photos of this? Can we get photos of that? So uh, Casey approached me, and she's like, is this normal? And I was like, uh, probably. You open up an app. We gave them a new container, and now they're filling it, right? So uh, yesterday I said, this is what you need to do. You need to send a text message in that group. And you say, hey, everyone, we're going to be really busy the next three days. I'm not going to have time to send photos on this. But good news, Life Team posts extremely high-quality, beautiful, professional photographs of your kids every single day, multiple hours a day. That's why they have a staff photographer. Here's the link. Mm-hmm. And they sent it, and it was like, Pfft. and you're like, oh, God. Thank you. Lord. <laughs> it was just killing my sleep. See, this is what we do. We we think these containers are going to be awesome. Oh, if there's any needs that arise, there's anything. It's like, no, that's why you have text message. Let's not create, like, Group Me would be great for the chaperones. Hey, everyone, we're going to meet over by Mike's place. <laughs> everyone goes there. Great. Done. Instead of sending out multiple emails and multiple times, th- they know, oh, I just need to check my Group Me at these times. But, oh, God. Oh, God. What have we done? What have we no done? thanks. No All thanks. right. This has been uh, a burdensome, exhausting, fatiguing episode of Catching Foxes. Yikes. Is that because of me? Do you th- what do you think? Yeah, no, I think it's. You bring such a low energy. Right. Right. That it's kind of, I don't want to use the word depressing. <laughs>